the book of Galatians, chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all. But is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Now, the word child in verse 1 means a little child without full power of speech. The heir, as long as he is a child, different nothing from a servant. Again, we have to go back to the Roman customs to understand Paul's illustration in action. In a Roman home, servants had charge of different possessions of the master. Some had charge of his children, livestock, the keeping of books, and so on. When a little one was born into the home, the servants cared for him. They did everything for him, and the child had to obey the servants. Then he says, until the time appointed of the father. What time was that? It was the time when the father recognized his son was capable of making decisions on his own, and he brought him into the position of a full-grown son. Notice that it was the father who determined when his son reached the age of maturity. Today, the arbitrary law says that a young person becomes of age at 18 or is considered as an adult at 18. But during Paul's era, the father decided when the age of maturity was reached. Then they would hold a ceremony called the toga virilis. That's T-O-G-A and the second word is V-I-R-I-L-I-S. They would hold a ceremony called the toga virilis which gave him the position of a full-grown son in the family. Now, Paul uses this illustration to show them what happened. They were once children in bondage under the elements of the world, that is, under the law. It was the childhood of the nation of Israel when they were under rules and regulation. And in God the Father's appointed time, he sent forth his son, born of a woman who was under the law. Mary, who bore Jesus, was a Jewish woman who was under the law. And verse 5 says, To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. God had a twofold purpose. Number one, to redeem those under the law. They were children under the law. The law never made anyone a son of God. And number two, that they might receive the adoption of sons. Adoption has a different meaning here than the way we think of it today. Today, a couple who cannot have children of, of their own goes out and adopt a child through legal action, thus making that child their own. But in Paul's day, the Roman custom was to adopt one's own son. This was done during the toga virilis ceremony. The word adoption here in the Greek means to place as a son. Now, here is the good news. Every believer is placed in the family of God as a son, capable of understanding divine truth. All right, let's look at verse number six. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Now, Paul makes it plain. He tells the Galatian believers that we are the sons of God. And the spirit of God who dwells in us cries out, Abba, Father. 
Now, the word Abba means father or my daddy. Oh, I like that. All right, let's look at verse number seven. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Now, Paul is simply telling them that they are no longer under the law, but are in Christ. And because we are in Christ, we are what he is, and that is a son of God. And because we are sons, that makes us heirs of God through Jesus Christ. All right, let's look at verse number eight. How bet then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. Now, Paul is speaking of their former life when they were idolaters. All right, let's look at verses 9 through 11. But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? Ye observe days and months and times and years. I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. Now, most of the believers in the Galatian churches were Gentiles. Now that they were Christians, they were turning to the Mosaic law, which was, as Paul puts it, like going back to the idolatry they came out of. He goes on to say how the Galatian believers began observing days, months, times, and years. The observance of all these things would put these Gentile believers under the Mosaic law. He reminds them that they had not known God by means of the Mosaic law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Paul didn't want his labor of bringing them to Christ to be in vain. All right, let's look at verses 12 through 16. Brethren, I beseech you, be as I am, for I am as ye are. Ye have not injured me at all. Ye know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. And my temptation which was in my flesh ye despised not, nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Where is then the blessedness ye spake of? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, ye would have plucked out your own eyes and have given them to me. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Paul says here, when he came and preached the gospel to them, they loved him and accepted his eye condition, which I believe was his thorn in the flesh. It is believed that Paul had an eye disease, which was common in that land, characterized by excessive pus running out of the eyes. Can you imagine listening to a preacher with pus running out of his eyes? The Galatian believers loved him so much that it didn't bother them. In fact, if they could have, they would have given him their eyes. That's how much they loved Paul when he first came to them. But while Paul was away, the Judaizers sneaked in and began to turn their hearts from the gospel to the Mosaic law. So Paul say, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? All right, let's look at verses 17 and 18. They zealously affect you, but not well. Yea, they would exclude you that ye might affect them. But it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing, and not only when I am present with you. Paul says here that the Judaizers zealously went after the Galatian believers, convincing them to leave the truth of the gospel to go to the Mosaic law. What Paul wanted was for them to be as zealous on the opposite of the fence. He wanted them to be just as passionate of the gospel as the Judaizers were of the law, whether he was there with them or not. 
All right, let's look at verses 19 and 20. My little children of whom I travailed in birth again until Christ be formed in you. I desire to be present with you now and to change my voice for I stand in doubt of you. Now, Paul was deeply concerned about the Galatian believers he had brought to Christ who had allowed the Judaizers to turn their minds and hearts from the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Mosaic law. All right, let's look at verse 21. He says, Tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do ye not hear the law? The Galatian believers didn't hear the law. The law posed the penalty of debt. Certain laws broken carried the penalty of debt. The giving of the law was not beautiful and glorious, but terrifying. Then he proceeds to give them a true sense of what the law was really like. Look at verse 22. He says, for it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. Now, Abraham had two sons, one named Ishmael, which was by Hagar, a slave woman, and the other one, Isaac, by his wife, Sarah, the free woman. All right, look at verse 23. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was by promise. Now, the code of Hammurabi, which governed the culture in Abraham's day, stated that the son of a slave woman was a slave. So even though Ishmael was Abraham's son, he was still a slave. Isaac, on the other hand, was a miracle child. His birth was miraculous. Now, does this sound familiar? Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. The dead womb of Sarah was like a tomb, and out of debt, God brought life. All right, let's look at verses 24 through 26, which things are an allegory. For these are the two covenants, the one from the Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. Now, which things are an allegory means these events in Abraham's life contain an allegory. Paul draws a lesson from it. The first covenant was the law, which Moses received from God on Mount Sinai. Agar is the Greek form of the name Hagar. Paul compares Hagar to Mount Sinai, which is synonymous with the Mosaic law. In Paul's allegory, Hagar is Mount Sinai, which corresponds to Jerusalem, the earthly Jerusalem of Paul's day, because she was still in slavery with her children. In other words, Jerusalem, representing the nation of Israel, was still under the bondage of the law. Jerusalem, which is above, is the new Jerusalem, which is presented to us in the 20th chapter of Revelation as it comes down from God out of heaven. As old Jerusalem is the, the, the mother city of those under the law, so the new Jerusalem is the mother city of the believers under grace. Oh, hallelujah. All right, let's look at the verses 27 through 31. For it is written, Rejoice, thou barren that bearest not. Break forth and cry, thou that travailest not. For the desolate had many more children than she which had an husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so it is now. Nevertheless, what said the scripture? 
Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Listen, Paul makes it plain. The Mosaic law was only temporal. It has been cast out, and a new covenant is here called grace. We are no longer under the law, but under grace. Glory be to God. 